Have you ever brought a fish home? How many people have gone to a fish store and brought a fish home? And they, they give it to you in that little, uh, the, the, the baggie, right? You, you probably know that you can't just bring them home and, uh, you know, fill up a cup full of water and dump them in the cup. And then decide, man, where am I going to put this fish? And then grab a, a, a vase, right, and fill that with water and dump them in the vase and say, oh, wow, that's nice. And then get yelled at because you took your wife's favorite vase. And so, okay, so you get another container and you fill it with water and you dump them in there. How many of you know what you would have probably by the end of the day? A dead fish. Why? Because the environment you put them in matters. Most fish and people need time to sit in their water, the water that they're used to, to get accustomed to new waters. And that's why as we're doing what the word says, we're being fishers of men, we're inviting people and new people are coming. It's important that we prepare the water. That we create the proper environment here. Say amen. amen. And that's why we've been talking about this theme of unity and this theme of being together and how we all play a part. Amen. See, from the very beginning of scripture, we see right at the foot. What's the first book? Amen. We got real Bible scholars in the building. So right in the first book, right in the beginning of Scripture, we see that God makes these things, right? And he says, and it's good. And God makes Adam, and it's good. And he makes the animals, and he said, and it was all good. What's the one thing God said is not good? I stumped you already? He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And all the single men said, And so we see right there in Genesis that he makes, he makes woman, right? He puts, he puts man to sleep. He said, Kayate. He puts man to sleep. He makes woman. <clears throat> and so we can say, well, that's what God meant then. Adam needs a woman. That's what he was talking about. But wait, he makes man and woman with a certain set of uh, anatomy, good word, from the nurse in the place. With a certain set of physical attributes and traits that when men and women come together in the biblical sense, more people are made. So, so it's not, so God wasn't saying Adam just needs a woman. What he was saying is Adam, man, needs community. The women came back today, they'd probably tell you we're better in community. See, God says, in the beginning, let us, let us make man in our image. God is an us. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in one. He's us. He can have a conversation with himself and answer himself. He's us, and so he makes us in his image. We are, for, we are made for community. So God is telling us, even through creation, he's telling us we're better together. Come on, that was good. For one amen, that's it? That's all I got? 
89 women just came back and no, you don't know that we're better together? You didn't say a bunch of amens? The men, the men got pushed off the front because the women took over here. And you guys know we're better together, amen? And so, so what I'm saying is I guess we got to work this thing out. We have to get this together thing right. We have to get this unity thing the, get, it, get it going because it's not going to go away. It's the way it works. We are better together. Somebody say amen now. Amen. I was reading this book, Killing Kryptonite by John Bevere. And, and John Bevere has a friend who, is an, who was a Navy SEAL for 15 years. And now he's an instructor, right? He teaches Navy SEALs. And so, so John knows... <laughs> From the movies, like we know how tight a Navy SEAL team is. You, you know what we're talking about, right? A Navy SEAL team, they'll drop them out of a helicopter, drop them into the water. They'll scuba dive to the, to the, to the front, you know, miles in, in freezing cold water. They'll show up at the, at the shore, and then before you know it, they're in the house with night vision goggles, with assault rifles, with a hand on each shoulder, and they're clearing rooms, and they're like, go, 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 go. Kaka, clear. Clear, go, go, go. And they're clearing and they just, I mean, I love those kind of movies, amen? But we know that a Navy SEAL team, they're tight, man. They work, they walk as one. They, they know, they anticipate where the other one's going. They know, they, they work as one. And so, so John was asking him, how does the Navy, how do the SEALs produce such a tight-knit community? How do they train to be so tight? And the SEAL, right away, he said, we're trained that the last person a seal thinks about is himself. We value our brother more than we value ourselves. He says we never have to cover our backs because we know our seal brothers will. This gets me excited. Come on. <laughs> He goes on to say, if you look at the sixth chapter of Ephesians, you'll find that the armor of God is all forward-facing. Nothing covers our rear. Perhaps God intends for us to do what the seals do, to cover each other's backs. To think as one unit, to move as one body. He says, as a seal, everything I do is for the sake of my brother next to me. We don't think of ourselves as individuals, but as one unit. Listen, even though we are trained as experts in different fields, we function as one. What? What? He's saying we all have different abilities, we all have different giftings, we all have different talents, we all have different skill sets, but we all function and move as one. Family, what if the church thought that way? Read along with me, put that first uh, passage of scripture up on Read, read along with me. It says, so, so, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually we're members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If it's prophecy, then according to his pro proportion of his faith. If it's service, then in his serving. He who teaches, let it, in his teaching. He who exhorts or encourages, in his exhortation. He who gives with little liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what's evil. Hate what's evil. Cling to what's good. 
Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. That is not the seals. That's Romans 12. That's the church. That's us. That's us. And so I'd like to keep unpacking this theme that we started last week, and, and, and we're going to keep going. Uh, we'll do at least four weeks of this until the new people get tired and, and you stop coming. But, but I want you to leave knowing that we're better together. I want you to have that picture of the church. If you never come back here, that's the picture that I want you to, to have and remember of the church. The last thing we did last week was we took communion together. If you were here last week, we took communion together, which we said communion is sharing on an intimate level. It's, we're sharing with each other the blessings and the grace that we've been given, the freedom to come to the table and to partake together of that which was broken and spilled for us. That's the gospel. Amen? Communion is the gospel. Here's, look at this quote. Before man ever came on the scene to do what we did that would separate us from God, God already planned what he would do to bring us back to him. Wow. Wow. That's the gospel. Tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, snap it. That's the gospel. Jesus broke the bread, he gave it to those at the table, and he offered it to any who would come after, and he asked that we would do this and remember. Church, I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of a lot of things. My wife and the administrative pastor yelled, amen. I need to be reminded, probably constant. Listen, we probably need to do communion more as a church because we need to be reminded constantly that we have a place at the table. Is that good news for anybody today? That we have an open invitation to come and break bread and drink and do that in remembrance of what he's done for us. We were invited. We were forgiven. We were included at the table. And, and, and you know what? Actually, you don't have to wait till we do communion in church. Did you know that? Did you know that my title or the building or the shiny plates or the little cups don't make it official? You know that that doesn't matter? Like God doesn't see that? Oh, did they use an official communion server? You can break bread at your own house. As a matter of fact, when you sit and eat with friends, when you break bread with friends, that's why we give thanks, right? We, 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 or we should. And if we don't, start doing that. We give thanks. When the meal is set before us, we give thanks, right? And so we're remembering we're, we're, that we thank God for his provision, for the, for the chuleta and the, and the beans and habichuela. And, and, you know, we give thanks. I know y'all getting hungry now, right? We give thanks. Don't worry, I got an hour and a half and you, you'll be out of here. Um. So we give thanks, and that's breaking bread. That's remembrance. Ultimately, we're thanking him for his sacrifice. When we look at the early church, where and how it started in Acts chapter 2, we see that the first believers who repented and were baptized, had their sins forgiven, it says they did something very interesting. Watch this, Acts chapter 2. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. It doesn't say they were giving the pastor money. It says they distributed their belongings to all as any had need. Watch this. Verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So daily they broke bread in their homes and received food with gladness. So this togetherness that the early church had wasn't because they came to church on Sundays. That would be weekly. Right? It says what they did daily made them united. This is big. This is a shift. It wasn't the Sundays. It wasn't the temple. It was what they did daily that made them united. The other day, (coughs) I had the honor and privilege to take out all the pastors and ministers and deacons of the church and, and, and we went out to dinner. And we went to this Italian place and we had so much fun together and it was fellowship and we broke bread and there was coconut shrimp and, and, um, and um, 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 steak bruschetta. I'm trying to remember the menu. It was a lot of things. It was so good. Right? And we broke. And listen, was it super serious? Was it super spiritual? Did we get up in the restaurant and hold the bread up and break it and say long prayers? No. We broke bread together and we had fun and we enjoyed each other. And we were grateful for good food and for friends and for people to do life with. And this restaurant had this habit of celebrating everybody's birthday by playing this loud song every time. And they did it like every 15 minutes. And by the end of the night, we, probably, we must have celebrated about 25 people's birthdays for people we didn't even know. And it felt right. And it was right. Church has to be more than Sundays. Sundays, listen, church is the place where you find people to do life with. Isn't that awesome? We got it mixed up. We think it's the Sunday. No, Sunday is where we connect with people so we can do all of life with. Till the next Sunday. More things should happen between Sundays than on them. Oh, man, that's a shift in thinking. More things should happen in your life between Sundays than on Sunday. We should just come and say, anyway, it's so, it's so different today when people come with a give me mentality as opposed to what can I give heart. People come to see what they can get, see how they can be blessed. And, and, and if the church doesn't meet their needs, they'll go find a better one with better preaching and better music and, and better facilities and more comfortable chairs and, and fancier this and more lights and smoke, and, and, and right? Because it's a consumer mentality. And so the, the, these people in the book of Acts, they didn't have to be asked. They met at people's houses and they did life together. And if one of them needed something, the others gave so that they could all have. 
Church, I've, I've seen glimpses. We're on our 14th year here at the sanctuary. I've seen glimpses of this throughout the year, man. And it's, they're, they're probably my greatest joys in ministry. Times when, uh, when a group of us have gotten together to redo somebody's house. To paint somebody's apartment, to, to change things, to, to, to create a, a, a beautiful room for somebody's teenager, to, to, to do projects like that. When the church, the other day, um, I had a, a brother that he, he had this overwhelming project in his backyard and he needed a little bit of help, he needed a little push. And so, I mean, you know, I signed up. That's, that's my man. I'll do whatever, right? And so I asked the men's ministry, you know, the guys that huddle up here that the women push to the side today? Um, <laughs> Um, I asked the men's ministry, I said, would you give up a Tuesday night, would you give up your Tuesday night fellowship, that, that Tuesday night church time that you have, that Tuesday night where you get fed, where you share, where you have together, would you give that up and help this brother out? And I got to tell you, man, that night, at one point I was a little overwhelmed, it's getting dark, and there were like 17 men in my friend's backyard. Working on a project like it was theirs. And, and man, we stayed late that night. And some of us probably didn't walk right for the rest of the week. Because we broke our backs. Spinal. But I was so proud of the church. Sometimes prayer is picking up a shovel and breaking hard ground. Sometimes church is, is, looks like work. Sometimes uh, ministry is just showing up for somebody else. For somebody else. Some of you feeling convicted right now. You say, man, I showed up today for me. And that's fine. We need those times too. Right? But, but ministry is showing up for somebody else. You know those days when you didn't, y'all didn't feel like getting up this morning. I didn't feel like going to church this morning. I didn't feel like putting on my, my, my best jeans and t-shirt to, to show up at that dressy church. But we do it for some, right? So sometimes, sometimes fellowship needs arms and legs. Somebody say amen. amen. And so I was reflecting on this and I, and, I, and I thought about this. I had a funny moment in my head, which I do a lot of times. What did the people in the first church do when they had issues with one another and they didn't have another church to go to? Maybe they had to work things through in the church where they were. Ay, Candela. Maybe they had to ask for and receive forgiveness from one another. Maybe they had to let go of offense and be peacekeepers. Maybe because they knew that they had the love of God and a mandate to walk in that love, maybe they worked things out together a lot better than we do today. Maybe because they valued the fellowship of the church and they understood that we're better together, they worked at it more and they didn't let division happen like we do today. Now, to be clear, that first church wasn't perfect. How many of you know wherever there's people, there's going to be issues to work through? Right? This church was perfect until we showed up. The minute two of us came, 
there was issues and we were related. If you read Acts, you know that the church starts in chapter 2 and by chapter 5 there, was, there were issues. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a short time. <coughs> the church starts in chapter 2. Everybody's saved and they're selling and they're excited. And then by chapter 5 there was this couple, Ananias and Sapphira. They saw that people were selling stuff and to give to those in need. And they, they must have seen that people were getting some good recognition for doing that. And people might have been saying, whoa, man, this, you saw this dude. He sold his car. He had an extra car. He sold his car. And he said, I'll take the bus from now on so that we can all get Metro cards. You know, like, like he, they must have seen that there was some recognition, that they were getting some kind of respect. And so, so this couple decides, man, I'm, we're going to get in on that. And, and so the first hypocrites step into the church. If you wonder where, that, where it comes from, everybody say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites. Here's where it started. The first hypocrites step into the church. They have a plan, this husband and wife, and they're going to get recognized, and they're going to be esteemed for their generosity. The problem was they have no character. And so for definition's sake, that's what hypocrisy looks like. It's not about people that are trying and they're going to church. They still have their issues to work through. They still got some language issues, some habits, some, and, but whatever, but that's all of us. Amen. These people wanted people to think that they were better than they actually were. That's hypocrisy. And so they, they make it known that they have this property, just like Barnabas who sold this property and people were probably talking about him. He sold the property and he gave all the money to the church so that people could have. And so they, they made it known that they, were, that, they, that they had this property and they too were going to sell it. Except that before they brought all the money into the church which they didn't have to do. Nobody asked them to do that. But on the way to the church, I'm going to read to you from the JCV. That's George's Cuban version. They, they, um, they, the Bible doesn't tell us this, just to be clear, but this is kind of how I see it. On the way, they sold the property and they got all that drachmas or, you know, whatever it is, right, that they, that they got back then. And so... <coughs> Before they came to Peter, they stopped at the outlets. <laughs> and Sapphira, she, she bought some red-bottom chancletas. Some red-bottom Jesus shoes. And, 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 and home, your homeboy Ananias, he, he picked up some, he went to the first H&M, and he picked up some slim-fit tunics. <laughs> with the slim-fit pants. And, and he was heavy, it didn't look good, but, but he bought them anyway. And, and so, and then it says, and they showed up to Peter with what was left. Church, too many times we come to God with what, what's left. We come to God with what's left of our time, with what's left of our energy, with what's left of our finances, what's left of our talents, of our, of our giftings. And instead of putting things of God first... The word says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So, they, so, so um, Ananias comes in and Peter tells him, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? He said, here's the money. I sold this property. Here's the money. He was proud, faking the funk. 
here's the money, all of it. I want you to have it. I want the church to be blessed. That's who I am. That's the kind of man that I am. And Peter says, why are you lying to the spirit of God? The money was yours. You could have done whatever you wanted to do. You could have said, I'm, only, I'm giving this amount. Instead, you're lying to the Spirit of God. He, but by, by allowing this in your heart, you haven't lied to people. You've lied to God. And when he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead in his fitted tunic. He just said, bah. He didn't bend or nothing because the pants was tight. Bah. And some young men came in, the word says, and carried him out to be buried. The scripture says, and his wife shows up three hours later. Maybe she had to change. Maybe she had to try on different outfits. I don't know. Three hours later, she shows up. And Peter gives her a chance, man. Peter's fair. He said, hey, um, the money that your husband gave, was that all the money that you got for the, for the property? And she said, yes, sir, we are giving it all to church because that's who we are. We just love to give. That's who we are. People always say, man, you give too much. And we're like, I know, but we just give because we just trust God. And that's who we are. And the girl, you know, God always supplies because we always give. We're just such big givers. Peter says, you're testing God. And the men that buried your husband are back. And boom, she drops dead right there. And all you see is the red bottom chancletas. And the word says a great fear gripped the church. That would put some holy fear in the church, right? People started dropping because they're lying. Some of you are nervous right now. <laughs> Can you imagine that today? Listen, I don't want people to die. I give grace because I need grace. Amen? But imagine if any time gossip showed up at the church. It would be confronted and die right there with the first person that heard it. Wow, that's good preaching. Imagine if unforgiveness would die the second it showed his face. Because of the forgiveness that we've received in Christ. Imagine if bitterness would be taken out and buried. Imagine if, if jealousy and, and injustice were confronted by the Spirit of God in us to the point that it wouldn't find a place here in the house of God. Imagine if every time somebody would sneak in, bring in seeds of division, somebody full of the Spirit would whisper in his ears and say, the young men that buried the last guy that tried that are waiting for you at the door. Church, that's the picture of together. Amen? That's unity. We, we have to understand that we're better together. And anything that would hinder or come against that needs to die and be buried. Somebody say amen. Let's read Romans 12 again. I want you to really hear this. For, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment. Each According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members and the members don't all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I want to close with this. Um, but hold on. Members... 
of one another. Members. Not like Planet Fitness memberships that just, that just come out your check whether you go or not, but members of one another. That means you win, I win. You hurt, I hurt. Right? That means you need, I have to feel that need and do what I can. Amen? Amen. Members. Membership has its privileges. Amen? All the passages that I've read today, they're connected in that they're all about the church coming together and being together. And I get that this makes some people uncomfortable. Some of you have had some messed up experiences with the church. And it might be hard to imagine ever trusting people again. I get it. Listen, I've had bad experiences in church too. Before here, I was at a place for over 15 years, and there were times where I felt alone and where I was talked about, where I was passed over, where I was discounted, where I was discredited. There were families that hurt me. There were people that hurt my family. Hard times. But I've also had experiences that I would never have had doing Christianity on my own. If I hadn't been part of the local church, things that I never would have experienced or known about God without being around his people. I've had wonderful lessons in great seasons and hard lessons in tough seasons, and they've both taught me well. I've built relationships that still exist to this day and relationships that were torn from me that hurt. I've seen, even through difficult times, how God has sustained me, has sustained my family, how God has surrounded me, how God used people to stand with me, to help me, to speak life into me. I am who I am because of the many words that have been spoken into my life in the local church, by the church of Christ. Powerful words, words spoken from the pulpit to to quiet whispers in my ears from brothers and sisters that no one else heard. That doesn't happen on the podcast, I'm sorry. God bless you, but you should be here if you can. That doesn't happen listening to your famous preachers online, the ones that you guys like to quote. Thanks, I don't have any bitter feelings or anything. That's good. Sometimes just a hand on the shoulder or a hug in due season can change your life. God likes to move in and through the church, and that's why he calls her his bride. There have been times even here in this church where I've been hurt, where I've experienced loss. But I continue and I press on because I know that we are better together. Do you know that even a lot of the hard times and struggles that come with being a part of a church are part of God's process for you? You're like, that don't make sense. Why would God allow bad things? We live in a hard world. 
We can't fully know God without the church because we're all different parts of the body. And without each other, we're weaker and we're broken. That's a hard statement, but I believe it with all of my heart. Without each other, we're weaker and we're broken. What does that mean? With each other, we're stronger and we're made whole. Amen. Amen. The book of Acts says it again and again, and God added to the church daily those who were being saved. See, God doesn't save us and then say, good luck, and drops the baggie with the fish into the big river of the local church. He's prepared us to provide an environment where the fish could not only survive, but thrive and grow. Worship team, please come. Listen, if all you've experienced is hurt, and pain, and abuse. Let me stand here in their place today and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that they treated you that way. I'm sorry that they spoke about you that way. I'm sorry that they did the things that they did. Listen, that whether, whatever it was, if whatever it is that caused you hurt, that caused you pain, that has kept you from being a part of the body, I just stand in place today and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry on behalf of leadership. I'm sorry on behalf of pastors. I'm sorry on behalf of fathers. I'm sorry on behalf of brothers. So I, I understand if you want to stay in your baggie, and just let it sit in the water here. I get it. You want to test the waters and, until you've become acclimated, until you feel comfortable enough to break free. But you know what? I was just doing some research last night, and I said, how long, how long can the fish live in the baggie? And it, it's a limited time. So... The longer you stay in the baggie, which is safer because you can see everything, but you're not in everything. It's safer for you. I get it. But it limits the lifespan. It, it, limits, how, it limits how long you have of life, to have real life. And so some of you, I think, are way beyond the time. I know I'm speaking to just, just a couple, so the rest of you just kind of bear with me. Have grace. I know I'm speaking to just maybe, maybe if it's one, maybe if it's two. You've been in the baggie way too long. And I just want to help you break free today. Can we just stand? Because family, one more time, we're better together. And so if you have found a safe place, the only way to get past all the stuff that's happened, the only way to get past all the things that have been done, all the experiences, is to build new memories. It's to get connected. So if you need to break free today, I'll just invite you to come worship with us.
if this is all brand new to you, say, I never even knew church, and you just want to bring the baggie to the front, I just invite you to, to just come and worship. If you want to say, God, I want to serve you. God, I, I, I want to know more about this, this God who created me to, to be in unity with people. I want to know more about this God that brings all of these weird, different color people together and says we're one body. This God that doesn't see us by our limitations or our gender or our, our race or our proclivities or our habits, but that just sees us and loves us and calls us to be one body. Just you just come and stand with our brothers and sisters that are here and let's worship together and let's just kind of release healing in this place. Father, we thank you. Yes. So this weekend I was sharing with the women about how at times things happen to us, even in our Christian life, and we compartmentalize them. And we, when we compartmentalize them, we put them in a box and we say, God, you can't touch this. You can move me in every other area in my life. But this you cannot touch. And what happens, and I speak from experience as I told the women. I did. I compartmentalized a pain and a hurt that I had experienced. And although I saw God moving and doing things in my life and I would pray and I would see things happen, there was this thing in my life that now, although I compartmentalized it and I put it in this box and I secured it and I thought it was safe and sound and it wasn't going to touch me, it was seeping. It was seeping. And it was seeping into my other aspects of my life with God. It started to affect my, my um, relationships with even church people or, or figuring out what it is I want to do or my prayer life. And there are people here who you feel stuck. You're stuck and you're like, I want to get out. I want to get out. But I don't know how. I don't know how. We've kept this box so safe, right? We think we kept it so safe inside ourselves that we think that, that if we let it go, if we let it open, if we release it, that it'll just open up Pandora's box. And I'm here to tell you today, let it be open. Let it be open. Is it going to hurt? Yeah, probably. It is. I'm telling you the truth. It's probably going to hurt. But once you feel the release of God's healing upon your life, you're going to think, why did I ever keep that soul bottled in? Why didn't I just tell God that I was angry about this situation? Why didn't I just talk about it? Why did I keep it so in? And we understand. Sometimes you feel you go through such much pain that to think about it, it just tears you down. It breaks you down. And you feel like you can't come up from that. But I'm here to tell you today that you are victorious. Let God in every aspect. Let him in. I'm telling you for myself, I didn't. I kept this hidden for so many years. I'm telling you, 20 years, I kept it inside. Thinking that it, it didn't affect me. Thinking that it had no, no, no bearing on what I was doing here or how I was living. Because why? Because God was blessing me and God was using me and God, and God was doing things. But little by little, 
as things continued to happen, that box was seeping into everything about me. My prayer life, my, my, my faith, my love for people. I want you to be free. I want you to be free. I don't care if you've been here first day today or you've been here since the beginning conception of this church. I want you to be free. And those who are new, come. Come. Receive from your father today. Receive from your father today. I'm saying, I did it. I know it hurts. But God will bring healing. He will bring healing. And your experience and what you've gone through and how God has restored you and created beauty from ashes will shine to those who are hurting around you. And it will reach so many hearts. You will reach more people with revealing and letting that hurt go and giving it to God than compartmentalizing and pretending that you're strong. Because that's what I did. I, I locked it away, pretended I was strong. It's not going to affect me. I could keep going. But once you show that, it allows people to understand the love of God and the mercy of God. So come, guys, come. Don't, don't say, oh, maybe another day. Don't say, oh, when I go home. Don't say, oh, I'll call this one and maybe. No, come. Make that, that stand. Make that move. Do it today.